Windfall would not be possible without Her Majesty's gracious proximans. We'd like to offer some thank you to Antigone Brickman, who's been teaching Bimble how to sword fight in the Royal Gardens, which has been wonderful because Bimble has had far too much energy recently. And now she comes in, she's exhausted, and she passes out without bothering me. So thank you, Antigone, for the support and for teaching Bimble how to sword fight. Pledge your devotion over at patreon.com slash roguedialogue. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where customers who save by switching their home and car save nearly $800 on average. Quote at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey everyone, Adam here. If you missed our little announcement a few weeks ago, this is a crossover special with Forgive Me, a dramatic comedy podcast also created by Rogue Dialogue Productions. You don't need to listen to Forgive Me before you hear this, but if you want to, we've got links for you in the show notes. One more thing before we start, this episode is showing up in both feeds, and each one has a unique ending. So if you want to hear the other side of the story, go check it out in the Forgive Me feed. We hope you enjoy this little blend of our two shows. Proxima. Oh, good. There is somebody else here. I was convinced that I was alone for a while there. You've taken me out of my cell. What is this, some kind of new interrogation chamber? <laughs> I've never been here before either, but it looks a lot more like a confessional to me. So we're playing semantics then? What is an interrogation if not a series of unwillingly provoked confessions? Huh. I suppose you do make a good point. If you're so familiar with these confessionals, what is the purpose of this partition between us? It's for the anonymity of it all. We find that privacy helps people open themselves up to their own vulnerability in a way that may be otherwise difficult for them. Oh, that's nonsense. I have nothing to be vulnerable about. My lord, you're blue. And are those... 
tentacles on your head? <laughs> you act as if you've never seen a Proximin before. That's because I haven't. So, if you're not with the humans who captured me, which, from the looks of your pitiful rags, does make a certain sort of sense, who are you? These aren't rags, thank you very much. And I'm just a friend. Someone who can act as a guiding light for lost souls looking to connect with the Lord. Hmm, the Lord. It's fascinating to think that there's a whole species of you out there, worshipping something bigger than yourselves, living your lives just like Queen Wanda when my people have spent the last several decades treating Her Majesty as nothing less than a god herself. <laughs> now, I may not personally be able to speak for this Wanda, but I can confidently say that if she looks like me, she's not god. Of course she isn't! What do you take me for, some kind of plebe? I said my people, didn't I? I didn't say me. While I may know how to seek power for myself by riding the coattails of others, that doesn't mean I follow their word blindly like some common sheep. If I can be so bold, you've mentioned that before you found yourself wherever it is we are, you were in a cell. If you're really that powerful, what got you locked up there in the first place? <sighs> Hubris in the face of my world's new masters. I've been punished for trying to sail along with the winds of change rather than knowing my place and keeping to the status quo, as it were. We're still keeping things purposely vague, then? I'll give you specifics when I feel you've earned them! If you aren't one of them, and you're instead some lowly prophet from one of their religions, what makes you qualified to give someone as decorated as me advice? In this world or any other? Whoa, now. Whoever called me a prophet? I think I'm pretty good at what I do, but I would never go so far as to say that. Oh, good. He's modest. I like to think so. That wasn't a compliment. Where do you think you're going? Those idiots. Whatever they are, left me here without my shackles. I've been looking for my chance to escape, so it seems like now must be it. You can't do that. Just you watch me. <laughs> I told you, you can't do that. I don't know what kind of devilry it is that you humans command, but this is not funny. I have already told your overlords time and time again that I have useful information for them if only I am released and treated with the respect that I deserve. That's all well and good, but you're not listening to me. I have nothing to do with whoever it is that put us here, and I am just as trapped as you are. I tried it all before you showed up, walking out the door, climbing through the vent in the ceiling, even smashing a hole in the wall. Every way out just leads right back to here. <laughs> Why must they taunt me in this way? Dangle freedom in front of my face only to stick me in some new kind of prison with this... this roach. Okay, look. I think we've gotten off on the wrong foot. Can we start over? I'm certainly not going to try and convince you why you should listen to any advice that I have to give, but you seem like you're having a rougher day than I am. And if you'd be so willing, I can confidently say that I'm a good listener at the very least. <sighs> I suppose I've passed the time in worse ways. Great, because as long as I'm here with you, I may as well make myself useful. Do you mind if I close the screen again? As you wish. There, that's better. So, what should I call you? I am Captain Octavius Root, the decorated Alpha Wolf of Her Majesty Queen Wanda's Wolf Pack, Chief Security Officer over the entire city of Windfall. And before your more 
militarized compatriots showed up, you couldn't so much as sneeze within 100 clicks of her castle without me knowing about it. You may call me Root for short. While none of that means anything to me at the moment, it all does sound rather impressive at the very least. You can call me Father Ben, if you were wondering. Ha! Oh, the last person I called Father didn't fare so well. I think you'd probably prefer it if I kept it to just Ben. I'm afraid to ask you what that means. It just that I've committed some light patricide in my day, that's all. How does one commit light patricide? Isn't patricide just patricide? No, not exactly. Not if I'm not the one who pulled the trigger that ended his life. I'm just the one that set the pieces in motion so that it would. I'm starting to think that maybe it's a good thing we're trapped in here, away from anyone else you can hurt. (laughs) Oh, don't worry, father. I'd say I'd gotten all that gleeful patricide out of my system at this point. So, how does this all work, this, uh, this listening you do for other humans? Well, you've kind of already got it down. Folks usually come to me with whatever's weighing on their soul at the moment, whether that be a sin they've committed against someone else that they're feeling guilty about, or just a traumatic experience that they're trying to process. In your case, I'd say that light patricide fits the bill. But does it? By your own definition, you say that the sins committed should be weighing down on my soul. And, setting aside the simple fact that I don't believe in the very concept of souls killing my father, it's never weighed me down. In fact, it did quite the opposite. For many years, that one action has quite literally lifted me up above almost every other proximate on this planet. I have no idea how to begin unpacking all of that, but why don't we go back to the beginning? What is it that drove you to have your father killed in the first place? My father was a stubborn sort. A heavy laborer from the time I was a small boy, and a principled one at that. Oh, when the castle first appeared and the wolf pack was just forming, he happily took the employment he was offered, building the towers they dreamed would one day reach up to her. He came home each night sweaty and tired and bruised, but still quite satisfied with the way it allowed him to provide for my mother and me. He took great pleasure in knowing that, with every beam of steel he laid in the pursuit of their ultimate goal, he was helping to create what he felt was a better life for his loved ones. Well, at first, anyway. At first? What changed? The laws did. You see, my father, like you, was a religious man. He obviously didn't worship whoever this lord it is that you speak of, but he had an avowed love for the old gods of my planet. Kept a shrine to Medina in our home and everything. But the wolf pack, as the years went on and they gained more power, well, they began to outlaw the worship of the old gods in favor of her majesty. All right, Eve, it's just time to shut I take it your father didn't take to that change kindly. No, he didn't. And if it weren't for my mother, he wouldn't have taken to it at all. But she made sure he disassembled his shrine and burnt it out on the community pyre along with the rest of our neighbors. You see, we'd grown quite accustomed to the life that my father's job had brought our family, and we were afraid if he didn't fall in line, we'd lose that status he'd spent years cultivating for us. And how did that make him feel? (laughs) My father? Like the shill he was. He kept his head down and, while he may have grumbled about it over the occasional dinner, went right back to work without speaking out. 
You see, there was a lot of talk and rumors of open rebellion at that point. People still thought of the Wolf Pack as a fledgling organization that would one day crumble and make room for the ways of the old world to reemerge. But Pop wasn't a joiner. Besides, he was petrified of what my mother and I would do to him if he did. I'm guessing that fear of his wasn't unfounded? No. No, it wasn't. As I've said before, my mother and I had become quite comfortable with our lot in life. We saw the promise of the wolf pack for what it was early on. While Pop was home licking his wounds, we were marching right on down to the recruitment office and signing me up for my first role as a junior cadet in the Wee Wanda Scouts wing of the organization. How was he able to handle this abrupt heel turn? Did he lash out? Oh, quite the opposite. He grated his teeth and smiled on my first day of boot camp. After Mother had pressed my uniform and paraded me around the living room, he did his best to exhibit her same sense of pride, even if I was committing myself to the very people who'd torn his religion away from him. He told me I'd looked rather impressive and wished me luck among my fellow cadets. Cadets who were all rather cruel to me, by the way, but that didn't matter, because Mother knew that I was destined for greatness, and made sure to remind me of that every day when she sent me into work. Understood. So what was the final straw, then, in committing this light patricide that you're so obviously proud of? Mother and I had just grown weary of his presence. He performed his fatherly duties admirably enough. We were well taken care of, with three square meals and a roof over our heads, but we longed for more. And after she'd taken to accompanying me to martial arts practice, she developed a fondness for my general. And who could blame her? He was everything my father wasn't. Charming, well put together, and absolutely rich. So one day, when he proposed for her hand in marriage, we set about figuring out a way to dispose of Pop. And what did that look like? It was rather brilliant, really. As I'd already told you, my father was a religious man, and though he'd eventually relented and burned his effigies to Medina along with the rest of our neighbors, it was rather easy for the general to help us acquire the materials to rebuild it deep within his closet, and just so happened to discover them as my new boss was joining us in our home for dinner. Father was arrested on the spot, much to his own confusion and dismay. Mother and I played our part, feigning shock at his presumed betrayal, all the while celebrating the Wolfpack officer's present for ridding us of this blight upon our home. There was no part of you that felt guilty? For sacrificing the man whose labor brought you the original bit of wealth and status that you were protecting in the first place? <laughs> Poppycock! He was an absolute, unequivocal disappointment of a man, and if I were given the chance at a do-over tomorrow, I wouldn't change a damn thing. Did you ever see him again? Only once. It was after both his farce of a trial and my boot camp training were complete and I was given the first official posting of my very own. I was granted a brief leave in order to attend his execution, a day I had been counting down the minutes towards since I had first reported him. Upon my arrival, he begged me to help plead his case, to convince his jailers of his innocence and give him another chance at his mediocre existence. But that wasn't what I was there for. No. The reason I attended was to watch as he took his very last breath. Wasn't that traumatic? Witnessing the ultimate consequence of your actions? On the contrary, Ben. It was quite the opposite. I learned an important lesson that day, one that I've taken with me for the rest of my life, up till this point. And what was that? We're only as powerful as we make ourselves out to be. 
and hardening yourself to that kind of truth? Nay, harnessing it? And realizing that you can take total control over your lot in life if you just stop being so sentimental about it? That, if you can be willing to throw anyone around you in front of the bus, you can get whatever it is that you're feeling your due? It's intoxicating. The look on my father's face that day, on the day he died by firing squad, it was priceless. And if I hadn't been there to witness it, I don't know if I'd ever have accomplished as much as I have in this lifetime. That's an incredibly cynical way to make your way through the world. Oh, perhaps. But it's a powerful one as well. So, where did your mother land in all of this? I know she had her sight set elsewhere at that point in time, but there must have been some small part of her that regretted sending the man she once loved to his death. She didn't bat an eye. After publicly denouncing my father's betrayal of our city's values, she accepted the General's marriage proposal and scheduled their wedding ceremony for the very week after his execution. And given that I was now a full-fledged wolf, I was able to perform it myself. Neither of us could be happier with the situation. With Pop out of the picture, we were able to flourish. New clothes, new friends, new apartments. Every whim we'd ever wanted for taken care of, including ones we'd never thought to want for in the first place. We both understood the cost-benefit analysis of the trade we'd agreed to. One life for the world. And we never once hesitated. Are you sure it's the general that your mother was looking to marry? I don't follow you. <laughs> no, I don't suppose you would. Look, I'm not going to pretend I understand your predicament, current or otherwise. Religious persecution isn't something that I can get behind by any stretch of the concept, and neither is the death penalty for any sin. You speak about this experience as if it has defined the man that you have become in your adulthood, and I can acknowledge that that is likely true. I just can't hazard to say that it has done anything to make you a better or more empathetic person. <laughs> Whoever said I was trying to become better? I'm already perfect. Mother knows that. She's always known it. And I have, too. It seems to me like whoever locked you away may have felt otherwise. That's beside the point. Correct me if I'm wrong, because we all know that assumptions just make an ass out of me. But I take it your father's wasn't the last life you ended? <laughs> Not by a long shot. And yet, you don't just seem fine with that fact of yourself. You seem proud of who you've become. That I am. Try as I might, that won't ever make sense to me. Though I must admit, there's no part of me that'll ever try that hard to empathize with a confessed killer. I'm not sure about wherever it is that you came from, but here, we live in a world of manufactured scarcity. I learned that from a very young age. There was no reason that my family had any more or less than the family across the street from us, other than the fact that my father was better at cozying up to the right kind of corrupt contractors in order to get the most lucrative jobs out there. There's no way to become wealthy and powerful without willfully taking something from people that you see as deserving of being below you. <sighs> as much as I hate to say it, that doesn't sound too different from home. But if it makes any difference at all, I don't believe that it should be. Here, there, or anywhere else for that matter. Then you never would have risen as high in Her Majesty's ranks as I have. I think that's probably a good thing, if I'm being honest. Is it, though? Would you really rather choose a life of poverty over one of unlimited access? I mean, yes, quite literally. Part of my job entails forsaking personal wealth and romantic entanglements in order to better serve both my god and my community. Huh, sounds like a shitty job. <laughs> I make it work. 
Why don't you tell me more about yours? Ah, the wolf pack. How I miss it. Rising through the ranks over the years. For some, it seemed like an impossible hill to climb, but for me, it was nothing but a walk in the park. There's really something about whisper politics that just gets my juices flowing, if you'll excuse me for saying it. I had no problem sniffing out the city's many pockets of would-be revolutionaries and having them squashed like bugs, or framing a fellow recruit for treason when we were both up for the same promotion. I have a bit of a disgusting talent for keeping my friends close and my enemies much, much closer, and for that I've been consistently rewarded. It was all quite delicious. Getting myself to a place where so many of Her Majesty's devotees had to hang on my every single word. So what changed? (sighs) Eventually, I flew too close to the sun. All of the ruthless killing finally caught up with you? (laughs) Quite the opposite. You see, my end, it was predicated by the destruction of a full skyscraper's worth of my Proximan compatriots. That's terrifying. Who other than Queen Wanda wields that much power in Windfall City? A stern, impressive woman named Tims with a fleet of warships at her fingertips. The moment we met, I tried to appeal to her kinder nature with promises of my knowledge and influence over the Proximan people, but she had enough foresight to see what a danger someone as cold, calculating, and agreeable as me could pose to her legitimacy. You're telling me that you witnessed, with your own two eyes, as this Tims woman showed up and committed heinous war crimes, and then you immediately tried to cozy up to her? Yes. Wow. What kind of monster are you? (sighs) Have you even been listening? I'm exactly the man I want to be. You know, I'm doing my best over here, hearing you out and trying to find a way to sympathize with you. To understand how someone can wake up one day and choose violence over and over and over again. And though you may argue that the path you've chosen was necessary, the ways in which you've weaponized your power over those less fortunate than you, over your own father, who from your very description of him sounds like a perfectly kind man, that's just something I cannot abide by. You and I are living two lives that run so unbearably counter to one another that I don't think there's anything I can do to help you. And while I'd never be so bold as to say that I have the right to judge you myself or decide your fate, there isn't anything I can offer in the way of comfort to you either. Oh, but there is, Father. Oh? And what's that? I'm not sure who put us both here, but I do know that two heads are better than one. You may not have been able to find a way out of this place on your own, and I may have ended up right back here on my escape attempt as well. But who knows what we could accomplish together? Ah. See... You don't need to empathize with or understand me. All you have to do is stand up, open up that door, and help me figure out a way to get us both the hell out of here. (sighs) I'm afraid I can't do that. And why the fuck not? This Tim's, whoever she is, she sounds horrifying. And I hope that I never have the chance to cross paths with her. But her decision to lock you up, I can confidently say that that was a good one. And while we may not be on Proxima right now, I'm sure that this is a better place for you to be than out there or in any world, free to cause anyone else any more willful harm. Huh. Look at that. That wasn't there before. No. Father Ben, wait, come back. If you'll just help me, I promise. I promise I'll reconsider my actions. I'll do anything I can to become the better person you want me to be. Just don't leave me here to rot. I'm sorry, Root. 
I just don't believe you. You spineless bastard. You're just like the rest of them. Oh, just you wait. Just you wait until I get out of here. And trust me, I will get out of here. I'll come for you. I'll send you to hell just like I did my father. <laughs> No, no, come back here, you stupid world. Hey, hey, what, wake up, what, 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 What's going on? Where am I? Same place you've been the last few months, boss. You feeling okay? You were screwing pretty bad there for a minute. I must have been dreaming, but it felt so... real. Like my escape from these infernal conditions was finally within my grasp. Seems like that would have made you a whole lot happier than you were sounding. In theory, yes. But there was another there, and he was standing in my way, as you bumbling idiots are wont to do. Hey, I'd like to think you and I had a pretty good thing going, thank you very much, before you did whatever it is you did to end up in my care. We'd have a much better thing going if you just take that key off your belt and let me out of here. No can do, boss. For as much as I've always respected you, that new lady, she's a cruel one, you know what I mean? I've got a daughter to consider. When did all of you become so useless? I'm just doing what you taught me, sir. Looking out for my own interests, first and foremost. I'll see you tomorrow. Feel better, okay? Wait. Come back. I'm sorry I was so harsh. Don't leave me here all alone. Oh, I don't want to be alone anymore. Windfall is a Rogue Dialogue production. This episode was written and directed by Barbara Munda. Jess Clark and Jack Marone. Here's our cast in order of appearance. Casey Callahan, Father Ben. And guard number one, Josh Rabino, Root. Dialogue editing by Bob Ramunda. Sound design, score, and mixing by me, Adam Raymunda. All of our graphic design comes from Sam Twardy. Find out what we're up to by following at Windfall Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Did you like our crossover special? If you did, go follow both Windfall and Forgive Me on your favorite podcast player. If you really enjoyed the shows, rate and review them on both Podchaser and Apple Podcasts. Windfall would not exist without the generosity of our supporters over on Patreon. By becoming a patron, you can access an ad-free feed, director's notes for each episode, music from the show, and shout-outs at the top of an episode. Join up today and send us a fun fact to hear your name in a future release. That's all for now, but we'll be back soon with more updates on Season 2. Bye. Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. So this is the end of the world. Pretty weird, right? I'm Hannah. I'm sure you've probably noticed by now. I'm a zombie. Might even be the last one. From the creator of Redmond Born and Cybernautica. I can't exactly control most of the things zombie me does. I'm basically what amounts to a backseat driver in my own body. You learn to kind of just go with it after a while, I think. Like, do I feel bad for eating a family of four when I was new? You bet. Not exactly my favorite memory. 
<sighs> Hannah is living her best unlife, while unknowingly being on a crash course with Callie, an explorer desperately seeking to leave her mark on an American wasteland that seems to be all out of new discoveries. Oh, one might say that it's the comics that got me into this, but between you and me, I'm gonna blame the McSodas. No sense in ruining everything I like in one day. Together, this unlikely pair team up against the dangers of post-apocalyptia. <sighs> okay, okay, this thing is not playing around at all. Shit, incoming! Sometimes I miss the old days. Killing zombies for upstart communities, now that was a lot more simple. A lot more ethical, too. Wouldn't you say so? Don't you think it's a little more ethical to kill a zombie than just some stranger on the road? Panapocalypse. A story about love, death, and robots. Just not the Netflix guy. <laughs>